This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Like most Americans, I fully support a woman's right to choose. Call me a middle-aged feminist male, but I am 100% pro-abortion. Why? Because abortion is a safe solution for an unwanted or unhealthy pregnancy. For 50 years, legal abortion has saved countless women's lives. Then, all of a sudden, last June, the Supreme Court overturned the Dobbs decision and left abortion rights up for grabs. The High Court told us that they wanted to kick abortion rights back to the states to decide. And as we all know, it's been a shit show ever since. You take a look at the right to life issue. So there was, I put on three Supreme Court judges, over 300 judges. Our whole court system is different than it was. Look at the Ninth Circuit, but just so different than what it was. It's three great Supreme Court judges and because justices and because of the fact that I did that, you have a whole new world out there. Now, late last month, a religious wingnut who just happens to be a Trump-appointed lower court judge decided to take it upon himself to make a dire decision for the entire nation. And I'm talking about Judge Matthew Kazmarak from the Fifth Circuit in Texas. He made a ruling that invalidated the United States Food and Drug Administration or the FDA's approval of Mifepristone, a safe abortion drug used by millions. If the decision was left to stand, it would have seriously hindered the FDA's authority to regulate any drug, not just Mifepristone. But late Friday, we got a vague reprieve. Good evening, everyone. We've got breaking news from the Supreme Court. Moments ago, the high court blocked in full a decision by Texas-based U.S. District Judge Matthew Kezmarek on April 7 that invalidated the Food and Drug Administration's longtime approval of the abortion pill Mifepristone. Conservative Justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito publicly dissented from the decision. This means the Supreme Court has allowed the pill to stay on the market and remain widely available, at least for now. For now, the court voted to preserve full access to the drug and put on hold the lower court's lawless ruling in favor of anti-abortion groups. The Biden administration, who had initiated the stay, was quick to praise the court's decision. The court voted 7-2 to two in favor of the stay. Arch-conservatives Thomas and Alito were the only dissenting votes. I mean, no fucking, no shit there. We have a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on ethics in a few weeks. We have never-ending scandals on the front page involving this court. We have a history of leaks involving Justice Alito, ethics issues involving Justice Thomas. So it's hard to imagine that the court cannot understand that not only are there politics around reproductive freedom and rights uh, at play here, but their image and their remarkably low approval rating by the American people who see them as illegitimate. As one pundit said, we've dodged a bullet, but the gun is still aimed. This case is far from over. And in the meantime, the Biden administration is standing by the FDA and promises to appeal any ruling against the drug. And as for me personally, I stand with women. Your body, your choice. When abortion continues to be under attack. The Supreme Court, let alone one unelected lower court judge with no scientific or medical background, should not be dictating healthcare policy for the entire nation. Medical decisions are best left to Americans and their doctors. The need for Congress to act and protect the constitutional right to an abortion 
has never been more urgent. Now, following up to the Dominion defamation lawsuit against Fox, nothing has changed. Dominion is still getting nearly $800 million. And no on-air apologies, which seems like it makes it seem like Fox is still free to lie with impunity. Because they are. And if you don't like it, well, fuck it, sue them. But Dominion isn't done exacting pain on the other big liars. In fact, six more defamation lawsuits are pending against some of our favorite insurrectionists. Look, I get it. We all wanted more from that Dominion Fox settlement. But here's three reasons why Dominion suing Fox actually helped America. One, damning evidence that came out through internal chats, texts, emails, correspondence showing that from the top down. Fox knew that what it was disseminating were lies. In fact, a judge entered an order stating that it was, quote, crystal clear that what Fox was peddling to its viewers were not true. Two, sworn a deposition testimony from Fox Bigwood showing that they picked profits over the truth. And three, perhaps most importantly, there's now a roadmap for a company like Smartmatic, for a former producer, Abby Grossberg, shareholder derivative lawsuits. They now know where the weak spots are for Fox News. So perhaps Dominion? had to walk so that Smartmatic could run. So maybe you'll recall that during the last days of the Trump White House, a small cabal of true believers were the last ones left scheming to keep Trump in office. And it just so happens that every member of that merry band of coup plotters is now on the receiving end of the Dominion lawsuit. So can you guess who they are? Why would the state of Georgia hire a foreign company, pay them over $100 million to get a machine that's built to cheat? because the people at the top, the governor, and that phony secretary of state are part of this. They wanted the cheating. Well, there's Trump's former personal attorney, Rudy Colludi, drunken Giuliani, of course. Now, there's also disbarred and disgraced Sidney Powell, Patrick Byrne, AKA the Overstock guy. And of course, let's not fucking forget Mike Pillow Lindell. And I should mention that last week, Lindell was court ordered to pay out $5 million to a Trump supporter who took up Lindell's challenge and proved that Lindell's proof of Chinese interference in the 2020 election was total bullshit. Lindell, who is certainly the type of guy who's going to welch on a fucking bet, says that he'll never pay. Now, Mike, and if someone comes forward and says this is BS, and I'm going to show you why, and he's going to show how what you're showing is not the truth and invalid, and you're going to give him the time to speak and show the evidence, this person will get $5 million, right? $5 million. But wait, there's more. One American News Network, or OANN as it's known, will be headed to trial in 2024. Dominion claims that the far-right network promoted fraud allegations despite knowing that they were false and helped create and cultivate an alternate reality where Dominion engaged in a colossal fraud with Venezuela. And last but not least, of course, there's Newsmax. Right? I mean, Dominion claims that the fake news channel created an entire brand out of defaming their company. Let me ask you a basic question. Do facts matter? Yes, they do. I hope we get to them one of these days as to what really happened in our election and all the people who are responsible for it. So here's a little word to the wise assholes. If you want to shield yourself from further defamation lawsuits, well, you're probably thinking about cleaning house. And they are, because thus far, 
Don Bongino is out at Fox and insiders predict that Marita Bartiroma and Janine Pirro are soon to be next. So cross your fingers, because me personally, I wouldn't mind if they got rid of all of these assholes. The Second Circuit Court of Appeals has issued a very important ruling that is not going to make MAGA Republican Jim Jordan and the other MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives happy at all. And the Second Circuit Court of Appeals issued a stay on a lower federal court's order, which temporarily pauses Uh, the requirement that Mark Pomerantz, a former assistant special district attorney, testify before the House Judiciary Committee. Now let's move on to some Trump trial news. Last Thursday, a federal appeals court issued an administrative stay temporarily blocking the deposition of Mark Pomerantz by the House Judiciary Committee. I mean, less than two hours before it was set to begin. Mark Pomerantz, a former prosecutor in the Manhattan DA's office, worked with DA Bragg on the Trump case. Let's not forget, he started over with Cy Vance. But Bragg, he resigned when the case stalled and then wrote a controversial book about it. There is some controversy this morning surrounding a new book out today that details one investigation into former President Donald Trump. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg says the book titled People vs. Donald Trump, an inside account by former prosecutor Mark Pomerantz, could harm the ongoing criminal investigation into the former president and his family's real estate company. Ahead of the book's release, Bragg's office sent a letter to Pomerantz and the book's publisher, Simon and Schuster expressing him concerns. One year ago, Pomerantz was a lead attorney in the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation into former President Trump and his business practices. Pomerantz had been assigned to the Trump case by then District Attorney Cy Vance. Pomerantz abruptly resigned in protest last February, along with another senior prosecutor, Kerry Dunn, citing frustration over disagreements with the Manhattan DA about how the case should proceed. Anyway, Pomerantz was subpoenaed as part of Jim Jordan's sham investigation into the criminal prosecution of the former president. So at least for today, Jim Jordan didn't get his way. Former President Trump's civil trial in a rape case will not be delayed. A federal judge rejected Trump's request to reschedule the trial. His attorney cited pre-trial publicity due to his recent indictment in Manhattan for allegedly falsifying business records. The civil case was brought by journalist E. Jean Carroll, and jury selection will begin on April 25th. She claims Trump raped her in the 1990s. Trump denies the charges. Now, late last week, week, Joe Tacopinus, you know who he is, Trump's lawyer. I mean, the one that looks like a sweaty Sty Stallone. I mean, so that guy tried to delay the E. Jean Carroll trial by requesting that the jury be given some, I don't know, some special instructions. And I'm going to quote here. While no litigant is required to appear at a civil trial, the absence of the defendant, I mean, blah, 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 avoids the logistical burdens that is present as the former president, I mean, blah, 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 some more, right? I can just go. So anyway, Judge Kaplan said, no, no, you idiot. And that Trump needed to make up his mind if he was going to show up or not. But Kaplan emphasized that there would be no special treatment for Trump. And because Carol's lawyers don't intend to call him as a witness, Judge Kaplan said that the Trump team wouldn't be allowed to tell the jury that Trump wanted to testify, but had chosen to spare court and the city the burdens of his presence. You know why? Because it's all fucking bullshit. I fought 
It was shocking. It was against my will. President Donald Trump denied that claim and said, She's not my type. Totally lying. I don't know anything about her. And he accused Carol of lying in order to sell books. Carol, a popular writer and advice columnist, is just one of 26 women who have credibly accused Trump of sexual misconduct. She alleges that Trump raped her in a department store changing room in the mid-1990s. Now, of course, Trump denies the allegation, but Carol has sued him twice. Once for defamation, and then for defamation and battery. Carol filed the later suit under the Adult Survivors Act, a New York law that gives the victims of crimes that happen outside the statute of limitations a year to bring civil claims. And now that trial is set to start this week on April 25th. So my friends, get your fucking popcorn because the shit's gonna be great. Trump-hating prosecutor Jack Smith, a lunatic, should go get Biden for what he did. He's very guilty. And Friday, Jack Smith's special counsel questioned longtime Trump advisor Boris Epstein for a second day in a row. Now, rumor has it that Epstein and Trump supposedly talk as much as five times a day, which almost makes you feel sorry for the guy. But nah, Epstein's a fucking putz. Trust me, I know. I used to call him the lapdog because he would literally follow their legs as long as you were going to be headed into Trump's direction. I had evidence of the overwhelming fraud that happened in the 2020 election to you to the committee, to Democrats, to rhinos, to anybody out there. This election was stolen for President Trump. President Trump won the 2020 election. And sources say that he was not questioned about Trump's mishandling of classified documents. But he was questioned extensively about the coup plot and Trump's co-conspirators in the January 6th insurrection. Now, Smith is reported to have sat on part of Epstein's interview on Thursday. Now. Even though he sat there, he didn't ask questions. He just let his presence be known. Now, Epstein is under scrutiny for more than one thing, but we do know that his role in planning the January 6th coup and trying to seed the paperwork, the eventual fraud to normalize it, is clearly of interest. And the fact is, Epstein was right in the middle of Trump's plans to overturn the 2020 election. And like John Eastman, Scott Perry, and Jeffrey Clark, Epstein had his phone seized by the FBI. Now go ahead and guess which failed rocket launch left bowling ball sized pieces of flying concrete in its wake. Well, that's the SpaceX launch in Boca, Texas, of course. I mean, the blast on takeoff created a crater estimated to be about 25 feet deep and it shook houses and kicked up dust for miles around. And then the rocket exploded in mid-air moments later. The ship was supposed to be the most powerful rocket ever built. Well, too bad it left such a mess. And earlier in the week, Elon Musk met with Tucker Fucker Carlson for a big topic. It's a bro-down that Fox aired as an interview. Now, not sure which bomb bigger, the rocket or the interview, but as far as I'm concerned, both were fucking garbage. If anyone would know about aliens on Earth, it would probably be me. I would um, think. Yeah, I'm like, you know, very familiar with space stuff. Um, and I've seen no evidence of aliens. So I would, sh I would immediately tweet, you know, tweet it out. It says, split second. I'd be like, <laughs> that would be like old time 
Probably the top tweet of all time. <laughs> that one, guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> a jackpot. This <laughs> some 8 billion likes. And lastly, one of Trump's former secretaries of state, Mike Pompeo, well, he has officially thrown his hat in the ring to be the Republican nominee. Pompeo is like a human hemorrhoid, so I can't imagine his bid taking off. And then, this is even better, Robert fucking Kennedy Jr. is apparently not ridden with Biden. The angry anti-vaxxer got into the race late last week and some outlets are saying that Kennedy took away a full 14% of Biden's base right off the top. But Biden is still strong and nearly half of all Democrats in the country say that they would proudly vote for a Biden-Harris second term. And you could always bet on Joe to win a fight. And now for the main event. Today we welcome legendary politician turned political analyst Michael Steele. Steele made history when he became the first African American to be elected to statewide office in Maryland, where he served as lieutenant governor from 2003 to 2007. And when he was chosen to be the first African American chairperson of the Republican National Committee from 2009 to 2011. Steele's abilities as a communicator and commentator have been showcased daily on MSNBC. He's also appeared on Meet the Press, Face the Nation, HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher, and The Daily Show, to name just a few. In addition to his work on television, Steele can be heard each week on his radio show on SiriusXM. Now, Steele, who's a prolific writer, is also the author of Right Now, a 12-step program for defeating the Obama agenda. But don't hold that against him. He's really a good guy, and he really knows a lot. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Mike, I've heard you say that the Dominion settlement was a victory for Fox because the anchors who promoted the lies won't be held accountable. And Rupert Murdoch will just pay a fine and be able to walk away. So, in your opinion, the settlement did not inflict enough pain on Fox. You, would you agree with that? I, I would. I would. And, and you kind of, in, in many respects, um, kind of accept that with, with these civil uh, litigations. Uh, because, look, at the end of the day, Michael, you know this better than anybody. Had this um, gone to trial and Dominion won, what would Fox do? They would immediately appeal. Um, and then you would be off to the races with appeals. And then even if that failed for Fox, then you're trying to collect the money. The upside for Dominion is that day they agreed to the settlement, Fox stroked, stroked a check for $787 million. Um, and But at the end of the day, the question about how this impacts the behavior of the organization, does it, does it work to change the political culture inside the organization? My answer is no. Why do I say that? Because they were doing this shit before the, right before the trial. <laughs> they didn't stop. Mm -hmm. They were still, Tucker Carlson was still on the air putting crap out, feeding the, 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 the highest level of premium bullshit he could to his audience. Um, so where do we think this changes the behavior of an organization that is now decided that its journalistic integrity doesn't exist, doesn't matter? 
but rather preys on its audience vulnerabilities, fears, and racism. At the same time, um, it's not taking any fin- real financial hits. Well, yes. Let's just let's go back for a second. Talk about what if hypothetically they went to trial, okay. and what if hypothetically they lost the same amount of money or the full amount that they were going for this one point six billion dollars. Right. Let's assume hypothetically that they ended up with the one point six billion during um, you know for uh, after trial, and if in fact that Fox News wanted to appeal. It's very conceivable that plaintiff's counsel would demand that they post a bond. Mm-hmm. That's not cheap. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of money. And it's not easy to get a $1.6 billion right, bond. So they would, have to do, they would have to do that, potentially. Potentially. Right. But at the end of the day, you're right. It takes forever, those appeals. There's a possibility that the judge who would be hearing the the judges who would be hearing the appeal can always remand it back down to the lower court in order to reduce the amount because right. it is a very significant amount. And I bring that up merely because they're not over when it comes to these lawsuits. Right. There's another lawsuit that's now lurking in the background. It's actually more than one. You also have a second similar lawsuit um, for $2.7 billion by Smartmatic. Correct. My hope is that once again, Fox resolve the issue with Smartmatic for whatever the amount is, but that Smartmatic state that unless you acknowledge the wrongdoing, unless that you have people like fucker Carlson or Hannity or Ingraham or any of these other assholes come out and turn around and express some sort of an apology, not to declare it as a victory, then I think that they're not doing service. They're doing service certainly to themselves, but they're not doing service to society. That's for sure. I, I, I agree. Well, first off, you've taken Tuckums to a whole nother level. <laughs> just no, it's Fucker Carlson. Fucker Carlson. I just, I, I cannot, I cannot argue with that appellation. Uh, so, number two, um, I think you're right. You know, I, I think the country is owed an apology. I mean, I, I know that sounds so like what you know, but. And I know that's not necessarily the outcome in civil civil matters, civil litigation matters. But when you consider what, not just the Fox audience, in in some some respects, who gives a shit about them? You know, they they want to believe crazy stuff. Let them believe it. But the reality is, is the rest of the country suffered consequences because of that. January sixth. The, the 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 back and forth the 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 incessant drumbeat of you know the election was stolen and and then just the the vermin that grew up out of that um from you know what we saw and and, and still see in places like Arizona to you know elsewhere around the country yeah you kind of owe us an apology because you created all of this. It wasn't just 
what your audience heard, and again, they can believe whatever they want, but the rest of the country also paid a price for this. And the fact that we now know that your 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 audience was lied to, that your host of the shows did not believe uh, the crap that was being put on their airwaves by uh, my pillow crazy, Rudy Giuliani, uh, people who pretend to be lawyers uh, for Trump. Um, we know now, Tucker Carlson passionately hated Donald Trump. I mean, look in all of in all of our conversations, Michael, we never referred to the man as a demon. <laughs> <laughs> but Tucker <No>. did. <laughs> Tucker yep. did. And so his audience, you know, that audience is pissed at you and me because we don't like Trump and we say nasty things, but we didn't call him a demon. Right. So the, this is this is the crap that I think needs to be atoned for in some way. And my my concern is Fox hasn't learned that lesson. Because again, no. $787 billion is a rounding error. I know, yes, it's a lot of money by you know the highest judgment. Not uh, in Fox. Yeah, not 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 based in Fox. They're sitting right. with five plus billion dollars in the coffers in to cash. deal with shit just in cash, just to deal with it. But you know the part that bothered me the most about all of this, right? And there was a um it's a great article that was done in the BBC. They referred to this associate professor uh, of history at Vanderbilt University. Her name is uh, Nicole Hemmer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this professor is in media, conservatism, uh, electoral politics. She actually said something to the BBC that, um, I mean, I totally agree with it, that while Fox saved itself from a public trial, it had already been harmed by court documents that revealed the inner workings of the network. I bring that up, Mike, simply because their viewers already know that fucker Carlson and Hannity and the rest of these animals, that they were lying to them. Yeah. But yet, those same viewers remain loyal to Fox. They're still watching the same group of assholes doing the same thing. So it's one thing, you know, as they always say, right? If fool me once, shame on you. Right. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, shame on you. And I'm referring to these ignorant maggots that are so deeply entrenched into the bullshit of Trump. They suffer from that Trump derangement syndrome that they can't avoid watching Fox News for any other news source that would give them legitimate news um, of the day. They just can't do it. And it's a shame. Yeah, I, look, that that's the rub of the whole thing. And so if I'm Rupert Murdoch, and I am the, the, the leadership of running things in New York for Fox, I'm looking at my, my numbers, and I'm like, where do we take a hit here? Tucker Carlson is handed the January 6th video, all the video from January 6th, and he refashions a bullshit narrative that he starts to feed his audience. We all know it's a lie. We all know what's coming. Four million more viewers tune in to watch it. So if I'm sitting there again in management, I'm going, okay, that was a good week. Where is the 
price to be paid. How is the journalistic community going to deal with Fox? How is the political class going to deal with Fox? How are rank and file citizens going to deal with Fox? They are not going away anytime soon. They've not been diminished, to your point, um, because their audience is still is ride or die, Michael. It's ride or die yeah. with, with, with Fox So and Trump. So where does that leave us as we now set up the match for 2024? What, well, what the hell does it, it, it should leave us all as really nervous because these people are so fucking stupid that they're willing to go out there, campaign, vote, donate their money to a guy who is not who he purports to no, be. No, never has They're going to continue to watch shows like on Fox News where you had the CEO, Rupert Murdoch, the network president CEO, writing in emails right um, about then President Trump saying he's increasingly mad, right? Uh, and I don't mean mad as an angry, I'm talking about like nuts, right? With fucker Carlson then turning around and saying, as you wrote, and this is not me, this is him saying it, he hates Trump passionately and that his presidency had been a disaster, right? I mean, we see these sort of Comments that are made by these show hosts. Right. And yet, as you just accurately put, the same viewership comes back and then some. Yeah. And, and that's so that's the ecosystem. And so narratively going into this cycle, you know, the idea that we're somehow going to get something different in 2024 is just utter bullshit. It's not going to happen that way. That's not the plan yeah. here. Donald Trump, I mean, stop and think about just how locked in, I mean, just take Fox out of it for a minute, Michael. Let's talk about the rest of the press. <laughs> Donald Trump tells us he's going to be arrested on a Tuesday. Not the DA from New York, not anyone in the criminal justice system in New York, not a judge in New York, Donald Trump. And what happens? We spend an entire fucking weekend talking about the upcoming arrest of Donald Trump on Tuesday. There are stories. They're, they're special. They're breaking news. There's all this crap. Tuesday comes, Donald Trump ain't arrested. But Donald Trump right. made $1.5 million between that Friday and that Tuesday. So he says. So he says. Because now Fine. they claim that he's up to $17 million uh, post the indictment as a direct I'll result. I'll take his and, word you know, for it. I'll take his word yeah, for I wouldn't. it. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't take his word on anything. It, it but could, I do acknowledge it, that he raised my, money. Right. The point is, he's raising money. It could be a dollar. It could be a million dollars. Whatever it is, he's raising money off of this. But the that's even the point. The point is that, as I asked on my air at MSNBC and I asked in Twitter, who told you all this was going to happen? Yeah. The three circus leader did not not the DA. So this is the environment we're in, and if we think we're we're going to be invulnerable to those the same things that we were in twenty and in sixteen, we're fooling ourselves because we've already got a press that's primed to jump, and we've got audiences 
from Fox to elsewhere that are primed to jump. And so Trump knows that, um, and he's going to use it. He's going to play it. Now, it doesn't speak to what the outcome of the 2024 elections will be, but what I'm saying is y'all just need to hunker down with a good bourbon and get prepared because it's the, the bullshit train is running. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, going back to um, Nicole Hemmer, uh, I mean, her comments are particularly astute. She says, and these are, again, her words, it's pretty hard to prove defamation in the United States. That That's a very true statement. It's very true. Here she goes on and she says, all Fox has to do is continue to spread election lies, conspiracies, and falsehoods without naming a particular company or person, and there's no risk of lawsuits in the future. The settlement will just make them better about not putting things on paper behind the scenes. That's pretty scary. Then there was a professor as well from my alma mater, American University there in D.C. Mm -hmm. Her name is Jane Hall. She says that it'll be difficult for Fox to escape the ugly embrace the network has with Donald Trump if it wants to avoid suffering in the ratings war against its further right competitors. And that's right. I mean, you know, the reason, this is her words, that they promoted the lie about the 2020 election, even though their hosts had been found to have believed he was lying, they knew their ratings would go down and they'd be abandoned by Trump loyalists. It goes right back to the people, right? Yeah. So while Fox is responsible for the regurgitation and the promotion, right, and the um, promulgation of these lies. The bigger problem are the people who are being lied to want to be lied to. <laughs> this is yeah. this is a real problem. <laughs> it is. It, it is. So, so stepping back to the point that Nicole made, um, which is absolutely right, um, Fox is going to be better at doing this the next time. The other thing that, in addition to what she described um, with respect to what they put on paper and texts and emails and, and the story, how they cover the stories, is that the guests that they have on that are perpetuating the lies, all they have to say is, well, if that's true, done. Right. If if they had said that, if the lawyers at Fox had told their on air hosts that when, uh, you know, Miss Powell or 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 Rudy Giuliani or whomever is spewing garbage and lies that they know to be lies because we have the evidence that they knew it was lies. All they had to say when the segment as the segment was ending. Well, Rudy, if that's true. Then. Boom. That little bit saves you seven hundred and eighty-seven million dollars because to your very point five, seven hundred and eighty-seven point five. That point five is a lot of money too. It's don't a lot get, of money. It's a lot of money. I'm not going to begrudge that. But to your to your good point, um, that that would have saved them that money, um, and. It now sets up the roadmap for what they can do and will likely do in the next round. Um, because to your to your first point, 
proving defamation is hard. And all it takes is just a few nuanced words, language um, that that will get you off of that hook. You know, I want to go back to Professor Jane Hall at AU for a quick second. Mm -hmm. Do you see the Trump cult ever believing anything different? No. Why should they? I mean, you tell you tell me, Michael, you again, more than all of us inside that bubble before it became the kind of bubble that it is now, um, the people around him um, and certainly the audience that he built over the 14 years he was on TV. Um, where where did we see a break? This is a man who stood before the nation in the face of damning video evidence of his desire to grab women by their private parts, and he went on to win 52% of women voters. <laughs> so you tell me. I, I don't, where's the incentive to, to get off no, of them? No, 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 no. He didn't have, get 52% Yes, he did. Of in the 2016 election... In the 2016 election, he got 52% of white of the white female vote. In the 2020 election, he got 48%, or almost 50%. White suburban women buy that shit all day long. It is it, it and the data is very clear. So as I say to Democrats all the time, their problem at the end of the day in every election cycle is the white suburban female voter. Period. We saw it played out with the Yunkin race here in Virginia. He won that race because white suburban women in Northern Virginia voted for Yunkin. Why? Because they believe the CRT bullshit that their kid, their sixth grader was learning critical race theory um, at an elementary school level. So the, the, rea the reality of it is, despite everyone who claims they swing away from Trump, invariably in some way or form, they circle back. It is that mindset that says, Oh, well, you know, I don't like when he says these things and I think he's vulgar and I really don't like X, but I like his policies. OK. What policy? What One. And when you vote for his policies, thereby voting for him, what do you think you're going to get first? All the shit you claim you don't like, because the first point, what policies? <laughs> so there we are. So this is why, you know, I warned folks in the 2022 cycle. What do you think happens if you give Republicans power back in the House? What do you think happens? Uh, well, guess what? I said what happened is happening. There's no policy here. There's no there's no plan going forward. It's all about the crazy bullshit that Jim Jordan is spewing out, you know, claiming he's going to haul somebody's ass in front of his committee that he has no authority to haul in front of the committee. Wasting a lot of money, time, and energy. But that's the point. This is all about retribution. You know that. You are a victim of that self-same retribution, right? So mm -hmm. where, 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 did, where does it get better? They're still coming after you, Michael. I mean, your shit, yeah. your shit is technically done. And what happens last week? They are back in with another lawsuit. <laughs> like I'm sitting there yeah. reading that going... So what does brother do now? <laughs> you know what I do? I def I defend it. You defend and, right, and I counter and I counter sue, um, and I hold him accountable, which is something that I have been doing, whether it was via my testimony 
um, before the House Oversight Committee, which the AG then used to launch her case, or coming in and speaking to the district attorney, um, f you know, time and time again, uh, you know, and appearing before the grand jury. It's all to hold Donald Trump accountable. And I don't care what any of these folks say, oh, this is all revenge. It's all revenge. No, it's not. This is not about revenge. This is merely about holding him accountable. And if, in fact, his you know, supporters want to declare it that that's what it is good for them. And, you know, well, look, I, I, I have a lot. There's a lot of say, support Michael, is, behind that, this. That's the most expensive revenge in the world. If, if that's what that's your motivation. And, you know, it, I agree with you. I think that people that's such an easy one off to say, oh, well, he's just being revengeful. Well, where does where, where does he gain on that? Where do you gain on that? Um, I, get, I gain nothing. I exactly. gain nothing. In fact, exactly. In fact, I've gone now to the American people, those people who are cheering me on and supporting me, um, you know, where they go fund me for this whole purpose, every single dollar, unlike Donald Trump. And then, of course, you know, there's all these bots and these bot farms that Elon Musk promised that he would get rid of, which they don't. And they try to change the narrative. Oh, you're a fucking grifter. You know, look at you asking the American people to, you know, to lay out money for you for legal fees and so on. Unlike Donald Trump's super PAC, right. where he 90% of all the money that comes in, he has total discretion over. He wants to use it to buy himself another airplane. He could. He wants to buy himself a Bugatti. He could do that too. And it's absolutely legal for him to do that because it says it in the super PAC papers, 90 cents of every dollar he could use for himself. 100% of there all of this money that goes into this um, GoFundMe only goes straight to lawyers. In fact, I didn't set it up. It was set up by American Patriots, by Adam Parkmenko. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I thank him for doing that. And the funds go directly into the lawyer's account. I never touch it. I never see it. All I do is turn around and to say, you know, which lawyers get to keep the funds because it's predicated on their bills. Short of that, it's not for me. Right. It's for all of us. It's for accountability on not just this lawsuit, but accountability of Donald J. Trump. But, you know, I've read a lot of things going back to that 52% statistic. I've read so many different articles. Time magazine actually had an article on it where it said that that number is actually not accurate, that it's 52% of white women, right? Uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's the statistic that Donald, that Donald said, whereas the Pew Research Center uh, with the exit polls that came out post that, it was actually 47% which is still an enormous I, number. <laughs> enormous. I don't care. 47 percent, 52. Look, if you want to grab uh, yeah, well, women by their is private a difference parts, of a policy, if right? you want to grab women by their private parts and their responses to still vote for you, 47 percent versus 52 percent, fine. We can, we can add that argument over the statistics, but it's still a significant number of women in suburban America um, that that are still inclined to give their vote to someone like Donald Trump, and so Mike, that is that is a reality of the electorate, and you've got and we've got to take that into consideration when we're looking at these races. Hey, Mike, do you think that coming up in twenty twenty four, if by chance Donald is the Republican nominee, that that same forty seven to fifty two percent of white women will still vote for him? 
especially now what's going on with Roe v. Wade, especially what's going on with now the issues with Mephepristone and so on. How much more do these people have to get kicked in the uterus before they understand that this man is a fucking nightmare to women's rights? And I don't care if it's not just isolated to reproductive rights, to big government now inside your bedroom and making these types of decisions. It goes way past just reproductive issues. I, I, I would agree with that analysis on the front end. My, my uh, instincts on this politically would be if I'm Donald Trump, and, and it would not surprise me because he's done this on the Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security front, is to take a softer position than the GOP has taken writ large, that he that he will argue, why? Why would he argue this way? Because he, before now, was a pro-choice Democrat. <laughs> and so I try to keep people, keep all my good little Christian Republican conservatives, you know, mindful of the fact that you're supporting a guy who was not uh, an ally uh, in the fight. Um, but okay, but rhetorically, he, he does well. The reality of it is, I think, Donald, that that truth that you just spoke is not lost on him. Um, I think that he will go into this campaign with a softer message on abortion, not arguing as Lindsey Graham and some state legislatures have argued for what effectively amounts to a, a national ban. Um, so I, I think that there will be, because otherwise you're absolutely on point in terms of what the response is going to be, coupled with, Michael, the 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 types of storylines that are coming out around guns right now um, is also devastating for Republicans. It's devastating. They, they may put on a brave face with the NRA and all of that, mm -hmm. uh, but the reality of it is, when a young black man is shot twice, once in the head because he rang a doorbell, um, a young white female is killed because she was making a U-turn and pulled into someone's driveway to do so. When a young cheerleader is shot um, by, you know, because she gets right, she gets into the wrong car. She gets you know? into the wrong car. What about the little? What about the little girl and the father whose basketball the, rolled the, yes, onto a guy's property? We're all we are also fucking gun crazy today. This stands your ground nonsense. A fucking basketball. How many times as a kid did your basketball end up on your next door neighbor's property? Oh my property? god! Yes, yes. Could you imagine? You wouldn't have arms, legs. You wouldn't have. I mean, you just basically be a head, right? You no, know? <laughs> you know, on a skateboard. So, so, so these these storylines are not working for Republicans. And as much as some in the leadership want to downplay, soft, soft pedal, move off of some of these, they won't be able to. If Trump comes in, as I I think right now, until someone tells me and shows me they're prepared to lose the primary in order to win that general election, um, he's the nominee. I, I don't care who it is. He's the nominee. Um, but Mike, there's a bigger problem here. There's a, there, there really is. There's a bigger problem here. I'm not so sure that Trump can actually soft pedal the whole issue of abortion. He may not. Roe v. Wade and Dobbs. I don't think so. Because let's not forget, he's still trying to win back 
the evangelicals, many of whom have decided that now that they've gotten their Supreme Court, that they don't really need him anymore. I know. Isn't that and a certainly bitch? he doesn't. <laughs> right? Ain't that a bitch is Ain't right. Ain't that a bitch? So, right. You know, so he may not soft pedal on that issue because he's trying to keep them in the Trump camp as well. But let me ask you this question. Are Republican lawmakers looking for a Trump off-ramp? I mean, if so, why haven't they taken any of the thousands of opportunities that they've already had? I mean, look, Trump is a proven loser. So the sooner that they dump him, the better it is for the party. He lost, right? He lost in 2020, right? He cost them the, you know, um, the Congress in 20, in 2016. Uh, on top of that, he lost them. I, I don't even know how many countless seats in the Senate uh, as well in 2020. You know, how many people that he had backed ended up losing. Um, I'm not so sure that he's the big winner that he's trying to make himself appear. So why the fuck haven't they just dumped him? Because the base is still with him. And the base will turn on them faster than they'll turn on Donald Trump. If my base tells me, if you don't get behind Trump, you will be primaried. And a Marjorie Taylor Greene character shows up in your primary, your outcome becomes very problematic for you as an incumbent Republican. So what instead of creating a concerted effort where you look at the landscape, and I did this in 2010, I looked at the landscape when I started getting some of the crazies uh, popping up in the Tea Party world, like, you know, I'm not a witch, uh, Christina. Um, and I said, OK, there's some seats where I'm going to go fight and other seats. I'm just going to have to have someone else die on that hill. you you got to make the choices and you got to say uh, without hesitation, we are not going there because this is not who we are. There's no one in leadership that's prepared to stand up and tell these motherfuckers to shut up and sit down and to say, you know what? I get all this love for Trump. Y'all represent about 30% of the vote in a primary because there's 70% of Republicans out here who don't even participate in primaries. They give up. The reason they give up is because they look at it and say, it is such a hard right edge. They're like, I just participate in the general election. What you've got to do is re-educate those voters with good, solid candidates to give them a reason to come out and participate in the primary. Those lanes are there. But you've got to be willing as a candidate to go toe-to-toe, mano-a-mano with the Trumpists and say, look, this ain't your game, baby. You are irrelevant mm-hmm. to the process. In fact, you are you are wholly a danger to the process, to this country. And the leadership wants to go here because that's where the governing majority lies. That's where the future of the party and the country is. No one's doing that. Michael, last week, this was Nikki Haley's attack (laughs) on Donald Trump, a memo to her high-end donors calling out Donald Trump. Really? That's your attack? You're going to send out a memo? So come on. I mean, really, where is the energy here to do this? Asa Hutchison, um, God bless him, is the only one who's kind of sounding that note. But there is no traction there. He's not, there's no. Yeah, one, isn't that unbelievable? It's no unbelievable. No one's galvanizing He's, behind him to help him with right. the messaging. Well, 
but hold on, Mike. <laughs> they are a party right now of maggots and big mouths. Look at what Marjorie Taylor Greene did to Homeland Security Secretary oh, oh. Alejandro Mayorkas. Woo. Screaming, calling him a, a liar. liar. Yeah. Right? And if I'm not mistaking it, had some she accused him of having an extramarital affair. Oh, she's done all kinds like of shit that. out there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, first of all, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, she's the one with the extramarital affair. And that's not a lie. That's actually uh, something that I think she's actually even proud of. Because you've been a Republican for 45 years now. Right. Right. And not to give away your age, yeah, right. old man. Uh, but, you know, it's all right. But you were also right, the former chair of the Republican Party. And recently, you've come out and you've said that the Republican Party is irredeemable. Yeah. Are you still registered as a Republican? I am. And if so, why? I am because, A, it pisses them off that I stick around. Um, That's B, one reason not to do it, but all right. Right, 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 right. Uh, B, um, look, man, this, this is where my journey began politically. You know, as a young kid growing up in Washington, D.C., making a conscious pro uh, decision... Uh, to join the party of Lincoln um, at a time when that was not what you did, certainly not as a young black man um, in a city like Washington. Um, I, I, I say to all of these, these latecomers, these wannabes, these fake conservatives, uh, you haven't walked the walk. You had it easy. You're in a post-Reagan, post-Bush environment, Right. Um, mm -hmm. a post-Rush Limbaugh environment. You, know, you don't know what a wilderness is like. You don't know what it's like to actually have to make the case for your values, to make the case for your principles, and to align that with policies that are embraced by the American people. You don't know what that fight is like. I, you know, if you want to get a taste of what it was like for me, it was 2010 on health care. I didn't need to talk about Barack Obama's birth certificate when I could sit there and talk to the country about the role of government in your private life. And here we now have these motherfuckers out here telling telling young trans kids and mm -hmm. that they they can't get health care treatment, telling telling women that if you leave the state, we're going to call you a felon and prosecute you for because you want to leave the state to have an abortion. Telling young black kids, your history cannot be taught because we don't approve of it. So that's not the party that I grew up in and worked in and advocated on behalf of. So part of me is like, I, can't, I, I just can't go out that easily. I just, I, I still got enough fight left in me to say, this ain't it. Everybody claims they want, you know, we need a viable two-party system. But then you're telling me to give up on at least one of the parties to that system. So how do you fix it? It's easy to stand outside and throw stones at it and bitch slap the party. That, what, it's not going to do. It's a lot harder to stay inside and try to reform it. Now, I ain't, I ain't altogether crazy. I know, Michael, that there comes a point, and we are damn close to it, right, where you say, and I agree, it, this, this iteration is irredeemable. So the question is, lay down the predicate for a new narrative, right? Hope that you can build momentum for that. 
and then go from there. If not, then you walk away. But I at least want to leave the mark. I want to hold the mirror up to the party and say, look at your bastards. Look at you. This is who you've become. This is who you have allowed yourself to become because of Donald Trump. And that, for me, right now, is the most important thing to do. And then I say, well, okay, I leave. Where do I go? I'm I'm still a conservative uh, on a whole lot of things that doesn't fit inside the Democratic Party because they're not welcoming of some of the views I hold as well. They got but they're not supposed to. By the way, in all fairness, I bet you and I listen. I've been a Democrat my whole life, but I'll bet that you and I are probably more similar in our ideology than you know than you would even believe. We're both fiscal conservatives. We're both social moderates, right. right? So what makes me a Democrat and you a Republican? I, I Look, again, I've got real problems with what the Republicans are doing right now in regard to women's reproductive, women's right. choices. I have a real fundamental problem because once they start doing that, we're into a whole new area now. Exactly. Of violation of people's of people's rights. And this is going right to the handmaid's tale. This is fucking Gilead or as close to Gilead as we're ever going to see. Right. And then this bullshit with gun with, you know, legitimate gun uh, control regulations and so on. I used to have a full carry here in New York. And I can tell you, they put me through the ringer in order to get that full carry, right. you know, the um, concealed carry. And of course, now I lost it as a result of Trump getting right. his pecker pulled by a porn star. But at the end of the day, you know, this is, this is bullshit. You know, when we start to love our children and our friends' children and our fellow citizens' children as much as we want to love an AR-15... All right, then somebody will turn around. I don't care which party that you're in. I don't care if you're not in any party at right, all. When right. you start to love your kids and others' children and, and human life more than you love the right to blow the shit up out of something with an AR-15, you know, then sensible gun legislation will change. But since we're on this topic of you being the Republican and so on, that, you know, for example, Nancy Mace comes mm-hmm. across to some, right, as a normal Republican. Right. But this week, this week alone, she made some pretty fucking weird stuff, <laughs> including this video, accusing <laughs> President Biden. Get a load of this shit, right? This is the one that they call a normal Republican. She puts out a video accusing President Biden of being involved in a prostitution ring. Yes. I mean, there's absolutely no <laughs> evidence to support it. no. But who are the good Republicans in your opinion? And what do you think, for example, of like Tim Scott? Okay, so let's deal with Mace first. So Mace is likely in all, yeah, it's likely getting a lot of shit from the positions that she's taken um, challenging the party over the past year. Um, and with the electoral cycle coming on fast and furious, this this is what it sounds like when you try to avoid a primary. <laughs> this is what it sounds like when you try to hold together a base which is lessening its its grip on holding you. Um, so yeah, Joe Biden is now very much like like uh, Hillary Clinton, 
uh, was running a, a child porn ring out of behind in, in the back room of a pizzeria. pizzeria. Yeah, a pizzeria. Yeah. The president of the United States, in all the things he has to do, all right, that keeps him busy, that keeps him in the public eye, has found time <laughs> to do this. <laughs> so there's. I that. mean, I'm so freaked out. I'm so freaked out by people like Nancy Mace and this bullshit with the prostitution rings and all that and all that nonsense. I mean, it's really this. This is not a joke anymore. It's and not. the funny thing is, if Democrats turned around and claimed that Donald Trump, out of Mar-a-Lardo, is operating a prostitution ring, or that you know, in order for him to well, they probably be closer and to vibrant. right than wrong. <laughs> well, you know, I, honestly, I, I, I he has a history. I, so I don't, what can I say? Look, I uh, not a prostitution, you know, and and running rings and prostitution, and we shouldn't. You know, it's just that would not be true. And it's funny, you know, when I was testifying before the House Oversight Committee, I love how the Republicans uh, famous line with me. Well, you're a convicted, you know, perjurer. You're a, you know, you're a uh, you're a convicted liar. And so on. Well, was I lying when I said that Donald Trump never hired prostitutes in Russia, to the best of my knowledge, to piss on the bed simply because Obama and uh, Michelle and uh, Barack had both slept in that bed? Uh, or when I turned around and I stated emphatically that there is no video of Donald beating up Melania, you know, in an elevator or anything like that? Was I lying then? Or am I only lying when there are things that you want to say about me to defend your Fuhrer from things that he right. is legitimately responsible for. Right. But when they start with this bullshit of prostitution rings and all that, you know, it's just, it's not true. Well, it's not and true. It would but, be but, wrong, but, but Michael, it would be wrong true, for Democrats but, to do the same, you know, to do the same thing. But this is becoming normalized in the Republican Party. Well, but it's and not I don't know just, how to stop it. But understand this. It's not just becoming normalized in the Republican Party. It's becoming normalized across the spectrum. Because I keep telling people while everybody is out there, you know, sort of whack a mole Republicans, the reality of it is this is America. All those new voters that voted for Trump between 16 and 20, they weren't just Republicans because there aren't that many Republicans in the country that would amass to 72 million voters. So the reality, the, the reality of it is we have to understand that our, our political system has corroded our humanity, has corroded our, our connection uh, to one another, which is why we now shoot children when they come to our doors. Um. This this thing is is bigger than the politics now. The Frankenstein monster was one thing. The aftermath, the effect of the set, the Frankenstein monster is that we see a boogeyman around every corner. We see a boogeyman in every face that we see. I look at you and I'm like, I don't like you because you white. I don't like you because you wear glasses. I don't like you because you live in another neighborhood. I don't like you because you went to a different school. That's not how the country was built. And it, you know, there was some, you know, fucked up, you know, beginnings for the country, no doubt. But in the, in the main, over the course of history, 
we figured out how to make the pieces work and where the stuff was still fucked up, we tried to fix it. Now, Michael, there's no incentive to do that. It goes to the exact same thing you just raised with Nancy Mace. Why is she claiming the the president of the United States is running a damn prostitution ring? On what does she base that? Well, she bases it on nothing. But what drives it and makes her capable of saying it or even required to say it is Mm -hmm. that she's standing in fear of the very same people I just described who hate everything and everyone that now make up America. Yeah, could you imagine it's going to be like this? Um, Ding dong, uh, who is it? Girl Scouts, uh, hold on one second, I got to get my shotgun. (laughs) I mean, that's how fucked up that we're really becoming, right? All of a sudden it's like, hey, Avon, one second, hold on, I'm just loading my AR-15, don't move. You know, I mean, this is how fucked up it is, a basketball on a guy's lawn or, you know, somebody opens up a door to a car. How many times have you opened up a door right into a, to a car? And all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, it's that it's the same car that I have. I mean, especially if on a rent, it's, it's beyond. Now let me talk about, let me just go one step further because I hate to say it, but your entire Republican party right now, I mean, there's one guy or one person more fucked up than the next. And I just got to take that into Ron DeSantis. I mean, this ass fuck, all right, is threatening Disney by saying that he maybe he's going to build a prison next to Disneyland in Florida, right? He knew that now that he can't fuck them up with the money and the taxes and all that. So now he's threatening to build a prison right next door to Disneyland. He's basically calling for their eviction. I mean, this is not normal shit. DeSantis is part of the growing anti-business wing of the Republican Party. Yes. What are they hoping to accomplish? And is that the sort of rhetoric that's now popular with GOP voters? Um, I think it remains to be seen in the main if it's popular with GOP voters outside outside of places like Florida and other areas in the deep south, which ironically, some of the poorest states are uh, in the country are all a Republican uh, majority, Republican led and taking anti-corporate attitude is not the smartest thing in the world to do. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how that necessarily um, will play out. But what you are getting with the likes of Ron DeSantis is this, I am a better version of Trump. You'll like me better because, A, I look better, I sound better, I'm smarter, I dress better, my hair isn't, all, isn't yellow and, and, and all over the place. Um, and the reality of it is, as he's finding out, Michael, that's not enough. I mean, he's now what got seven or eight members of the Florida congressional delegation who endorsed Trump, one of whom had a meeting, I think a couple of whom had a meeting with Ron DeSantis a couple of days ago when he was here in D.C., left the meeting and endorsed Trump. So all of this performative bullshit that individuals, especially ones like Ron DeSantis, uh, are doing are gaining them no favors and no voters. His numbers are what at the latest poll I saw had him somewhere between like twenty one percent, twenty two percent. 
Donald Trump dropped right. from 51 to 47. Okay. Oh, my God, Mike. Mike, do you not have anybody in the entire Republican Party who is a decent human being who's not fucked up walking around with AR-15 lapels, right, and so on, or wanting to stick a prison right into Disneyland's asshole, right? I mean, do you not have somebody who is not who has some empathy, you know, as opposed to a Donald Trump. The fact that Trump is one, DeSantis is two. Then you got someone like a Chris Christie, who's at 2%. You have somebody like Mike Pence, who, by the way, I am no fan of Mike Pence, at 2%, right? What about people like, you know, an Adam Kinzinger? Why is it that he couldn't be because somebody that the he... Republican Party got gets behind? Do you have to be a crazy lunatic asshole yeah. coming up with wild shit to make it, you know, to the Republican Party? You've got to appease two things. You have to appease Trump and you have to appease his base. That's what you're seeing. So an Adam Kinzinger, um, I would love, I would love uh, to see a Liz Cheney uh, jump into this thing. She won't. Um, they ran her out, not only ran her out of leadership, they they ran her out of Congress. They declared she was no longer Republican. I wish some motherfucker would try to tell me I'm no longer Republican. I got something for you. Uh, but the reality of it is that's what you got to deal with inside the party. And the the truth of the matter is Ron DeSantis believes he can play that card this is the guy who got punked by Mickey. This is the guy who, instead of having sycophants go out from his administration and uh, people in Florida saying that, you know, um, you know, Iger should Bob Iger should be afraid of 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 DeSantis and be, try to figure out how to get back in his good graces. Ron DeSantis needs to figure need to be concerned about and worried about Bob Bob Iger taking Mickey's other foot and shoving it up his ass. Because the reality of it is, um, if Iger tweets out 10 minutes from now that upon further evaluation, they've decided to make no further investment in the state of Florida, and that they are now looking to shut down some of its operations on the very land that uh, DeSantis is pitching a bitch about, watch what happens to corporate Florida. Mm-hmm. When, when all of a sudden, and all those little, little sycophantic legislators who keep piling on the bullshit that, that uh, DeSantis is putting out there, watch what they say when suddenly that $475 million billion worth of added in revenue that, mm -hmm. that's created for Central Florida, the $75 billion in tax revenue that the state gets from Disneyland and the the over you know three what seventy two thousand employees that work directly and the four hundred thousand employees that are employed otherwise get you know, all that starts to shut down. What do you think corporate Florida is going to do? And what do you think the ripple effect of that will be in other jurisdictions looking at the anti uh, corporate Republican? Uh, the whole approach. The entire Republican Party would get would get decimated Absolutely. because the tax the tax consequence to Florida would be so staggering. Everyone's real estate tax, for, as an example, would would at least double, if not triple. Has you know, to. I'm thinking, Mike. The only way, right, to sort of show how ridiculously stupid 
this Republican Party has become. Let's assume that you decided, you, Michael Steele, right, decided that you were going to run for the presidency. What you would need to do, and this is going to sound crazy, but I really mean it, you need to shave your mustache into a Hitler stash, <laughs> right? You need to, like Clayton Bigsby of David Chappelle, right, the only black white supremacist, you need to put on a Nazi uniform, walk around with an AR-15, you need to blow up, right, seriously, in a commercial, you would need to blow up a synagogue, a mosque, right, and so on, whereby you're doing it basically while Jesus is sitting on your right shoulder telling you that what you're doing is right, then you would have a real chance with Trump's base. And I know how fucked up and crazy, it's almost as crazy as that Chappelle skit, right, again, with Clayton Bigsby, right, right? which is just comical. And if you haven't seen it, I certainly recommend you YouTube it because it is classic, right? Um, That's about the only way that you would get through to these you know, to these fucking lunatics. Because again, none of this shit makes any sense to me. But I do want to ask you while, you know, while we still have time, what's your take on the two Justins of Tennessee three fame? I mean, do they give you hope for the future of the civil rights movement? They do. Um, on, on so many levels. Uh, look, I have, I have, I've said for a while now, Michael, that, um, the Gen Z uh, generation of young men and women uh, who, are, who are now coming into their own politically uh, are going to do politics differently in this country. We've already seen it in the state of Florida uh, after the Stoneman Douglas shooting with David Hogg and his classmates who actively pursued change. They sat in and outside of legislative offices waiting for members to show up who refused to meet with them. And one of them said, well, you got to come to work at some point, right? And they sat Mm -hmm. there. Um, That level of activism we have not seen since the 1960s, where issues mattered so much to that generation that they, they, it wasn't just about the protest, it was actually about evoking the change. So I do have hope. What I saw and witnessed in Tennessee with those two young men was the the white Southern male legislative body telling these two African-American gentlemen that they were too uppity, that they had become too uppity, uh, and that they uh, and their tactics and their antics were not appreciated, and that we would teach you a lesson. What was even more profoundly important was the citizens that they represented, represented came out and said, fuck you, legislature. We're sending them back, Mm -hmm. and we dare you not to seat them. This battle is going to go on. I'm encouraging more and more of this generation uh, to uh, saddle up and get in. Don't wait for permission um, to to run the race uh, to make the change. Uh, you need to you need to follow the example of of Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. You need to follow the example of Maxwell Frost. You need to follow the example of a young Republican environmentalist who is changing the nature of the game 
um, by not by dispelling the bullshit that the the party has put out there, and that's Benjamin uh, Benji ba- uh, Baker. Um, you have you have examples of this new leadership that is emerging, and so yeah, I have a lot of hope uh, that they will change the game and they will do it differently. Because, uh, to be quite honest, the rest of us have done a poor job. I mean, it's not really any different than I forget who the guy was, but he came out there and he basically attacked Tim Scott for being too white, sounding too white, which is how he got into, I think it was like Bowdoin College or wherever it is right. that he went. I mean, this is the this is really, it's it's a sickness. There's There's a real racial sickness in this country and yeah I'm with you on the uh on the two Justins and I couldn't have been more proud of the um communities standing with these two young men yes who yes. were doing the right thing when is it when is it the wrong thing to turn around and to comment about the death of young people by, you know, by, by gun violence. I can't believe that they would actually go this far because somebody wanted to protest the fact that there is not sensible gun legislation. Throw them out of, of the, of, you know, from their positions and think that it's justified. I, I truly, I truly, my friend, I just don't get it. But, you know, look, as we are now coming to the end of the hour, and Mike, I told you early on, the hour goes by quick when you and I have having I know, fun man. here. I know, I know. How do you predict that this argument over the debt ceiling is going to go? Okay. And what does, what does a win for America look like? A win for America looks like a clean debt ceiling bill where uh, both sides agree that the most important thing is to avoid default on, in an economy that is already trying to reestablish its footing. Um, yes, interest rates have come down. Uh, yeah, I mean, excuse me, uh, interest rates, uh, inflation has come down. Interest rates are probably going to be held steady, although there may be a slight increase in the fall. Um other prices are, are are beginning to stabilize. The last thing the economy needs, the last thing the American people needs, but more specifically, those blue collar workers out there who live paycheck to paycheck, who are trying to make it moment to moment need is for this Congress to fuck this up and to play mm-hmm. the same old bullshit politics that they always play every single time you know you're going to have to raise the debt the debt ceiling why because you're spending too much damn money right and like every other brother and sister out here in America our credit card has a maximum number on it and when you exceed that number if your creditor is prepared to increase it they will right but it's incumbent on you to recognize you can't continue to spend to that new number. So if spending right. is such a priority for these Republicans right now because, because they're out of the White House, right, and have half the power in the legislative mm-hmm. branch, then make that the priority and, and in future budgets put the same spending priorities in place that, that the speaker laid out the other day. Tagging that to this conversation to pay a bill that's already due, to pay for expenses that have already been created, right? 
is, and he knows, McCarthy and every Republican in the House knows it's nothing but a bullshit argument. Be- I mean, could you imagine... Could you mention his comment? He goes, well, you know, if, if your child has a credit card and he maxes it to the limit, do you just increase the limit? And you sit there. The problem with these assholes is that they don't understand that the comments that they made three years ago, four years ago, it's easy to go back to the tapes like Warren Wolf used to say. Let's take it to the video. Right. And they show these people talking about when Trump needed to raise the debt ceiling. Which he which did he three did times. Three we, times. Yep. Democrats didn't fight him on it because you're right. The full faith and credit of the United States government has to be paramount to anything else. All of this political wrangling. He sits there, and now they want to stand on some sort of a footing claiming, well, this is crazy. How could you possibly allow Joe Biden to raise the debt ceiling, you know, which would be his first time doing so, right? I mean, you know, let's let's be fair about this. Three times your Fuhrer did it. Nobody said a goddamn thing because they cared more about the country. The Democrats care more about the country than scoring political points against Trump, who, by the way, raised it more than any other president or all other presidents combined. What was he? He's over $7.8 trillion. So that's what we're paying for. That's why the debt ceiling is being raised, because we spent the $7.8 trillion trillion under Trump. And of course, the two trillion that that uh, Biden had to spend to to get the COVID issue under control, et cetera, et cetera. So that ten trillion dollars has to be accounted for somewhere. You don't just get to wish it away. And keep in mind that the self same Republicans were responsible for the last government shutdown, right? Because the Democrats, yes, to your point, said. No, we don't want to tag. We don't want to cut. Cutting spending is not going to solve the current debt problem that we have, which is can only be solved if you increase the debt limit. Unless you've got a magical seven, eight trillion dollars sitting around in your pocket, you can just go pay down the debt. <laughs> in which case, then no, no you don't may, have may, to raise. May, the- maybe Rupert. Yeah, and maybe Rupert. Rupert's got Call it sitting Rupert. around. Yeah, Cole Rupert. <laughs> Listen, Mike, thank you for thank you for joining me oh, and my man, listeners today. It's always a pleasure, man. On we Maya have fun Culpa. together. It's great. Yeah, it's great seeing you. You know, keep it up. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully, we'll spark enough in enough Republicans out there. You know, to at least vote Democrat. Don't have to like Mike Steele. You don't need to change your party affiliation to do the right thing for the country. That's so right. I thank you. I thank you for your your time. I thank you for your energy, and I thank you for your insight, my brother. Hey, my, really my appreciate friend, you. My, my, my friend, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and have a conversation. I always enjoy it. Um, and, you know, look, I, I'm proud of how you're withstanding the bullshit that you have to go through. Um, people don't understand the toll it takes on family, the toll it takes on trying to, you know, reorient your life after after all of this. And and so I yeah, not easy. It's not easy. But I just want I just want your listeners and those who who give a damn to know that, uh, you know, in the face of all of that, you, you're standing true. And that's 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 important. So appreciate you for that. Thank And I appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. Alrighty. And now for today's mea culpa. The Texas Senate passed a bill that would set prayer and Bible reading times during the school day. 
Public schools will also have to prominently display the Ten Commandments in every classroom starting next year. These bills were approved Thursday, and they fly directly in the face of the United States Constitution. So you may be asking yourself, why? Why are they doing this? Because the separation of church and state still applies to public schools. All of them. I mean, if you want a religious education, I mean, seriously, just fucking go to private school. But the Ten Commandments, while all of them are good and fine, they're not the law of the land. The First Amendment of the United States Constitution protects a student's rights to freedom of religion and freedom of expression. Now, it's okay for students to express their religious beliefs at school, but you can't just foist your beliefs on students in a public school setting. Well, that's unless you're Texas and your leadership has embraced white Christian nationalism. Then you do whatever the fuck you want. Abbott has shown a consistent disregard for students' rights, especially black and brown students. Remember Uvalde? I mean, Abbott doesn't. I mean, Abbott has pitched a program to send public dollars to private schools at Christian campuses. The Supreme Court ruled that a Kentucky law requiring the Ten Commandments to be posted in public school classrooms violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment because the Ten Commandments are essentially religious. But not everyone's religious. I mean, not everyone believes in religion. The bill comes less than a year after the United States Supreme Court ruled in favor of a football coach who prayed with players at midfield. The high court decided that praying as a private citizen and not a school district employee, well, that's okay. But it opened the door, didn't it? Now every religious zealot wants in on the action. One Texas State Congressman King said that he wanted to bring the Ten Commandments back into Texas classrooms because they are part of our American heritage. No, you fucking moron. They are not. And King goes on. The bill will remind students all across Texas of the importance of the fundamental foundation of America. But that's not quite true, is it? The United States was never meant to be a strictly Christian country. I mean, the founders didn't write the Ten Commandments into the Constitution. In fact, it was brought down to the Jews by Moses. Another proposal by State Senator Tan Parker would codify the Supreme Court's ruling to protect the right of school employees to engage in religious speech or prayer while on duty. That bill passed on a 26 to 5 vote. I mean, hello, that's fucking insane. Now, I don't want anybody trying to indoctrinate children with their religious beliefs. I mean, just be a good person. Teach right from wrong. It's okay to teach the Ten Commandments, right? And one of the ones that you have to first teach is to stop lying and be kind. It's not that hard, folks, but being a good person has nothing to do with religion. John Litzler, Director of Public Policy at the Texas Baptist Christian Life Commission, he has opposed the bill, arguing that taxpayer dollars should not be put towards religious anything, and that parents, not schools, should be the ones talking to their children about religion. He said, and I quote, I should have the right to introduce my daughter to the concepts of adultery and coveting one's spouse. It shouldn't be one of the first things that she learns to read in her kindergarten classroom. 
The United States Constitution expressly prohibits the entanglement of church and state. And yet, the Texas Constitution guarantees the freedom of worship. So it's pretty fucking clear that this series of bills are about subverting the law. I like what this attorney for the Texas ACLU told the Washington Post, and I'm going to quote, Whether we choose to belong to one religion or none at all, people of all faiths and creeds should together resist the state's endorsement of one particular religion. By preserving the separation of church and state, you are preserving the rights of everyone. Now, you know what that is? That's democracy, folks. And as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Maya Culpa.